are on the More Than Punk Podcast. I'm Sid McKay. Right now you're listening to Burdened from Devil Soul to Soul. It's from their latest album Lost, which came out on Friday, the 9th of April, so just a couple days ago. If you haven't got into this, you are definitely going to want to get a piece of it. It's such a fucking good album. I have an absolute bumper of an episode for you this week. The guys, Paul and Ed, both singers, and we push we push close to that hour and a half territory. We go really, really deep in this interview. So it's something that you might want to listen to in two parts. I wish there was a way you could save your space on Spotify for long form things like this. But while you're kicking about the house, out for a run, doing whatever it is you do, have this one on in the background. I mean, these guys are awesome. It's kind of that sense of just sitting next to two really interesting people at the pub and just listen to them talk. And we talk about everything, you know, we talk about the nature of music interviews and reviews. We talk about being on that social media grind. We talk about the new album, obviously. We talk about that a lot and we, we really go into songwriting, which is interesting, right? Because usually on this on this show, I don't tend to talk about songwriting with bands. We talk around it and we maybe touch on it a little bit, but uh, Ed's an editor for his day job, so... It's really cool talking to him about words and how he puts his words together and the process that those words go through as he's writing them and and the way that they end up at the end and and building that confidence and and tackling the things that they want to tackle in their songs. So it's a super cool chat. One thing though, this week almost didn't happen. Um, So I I feel, you know, honestly stoked that I could still bring this into view to you my external hard drive with all my interview files on it just absolutely shit the bed um earlier this week so there's a whole lot of stuff that is gone um so you know if anyone's in edinburgh and they know someone that can put external hard drives you've got to hit me up on twitter at more than punk uh, because that is something that i definitely need to get fixed asap so it's very cool to still have these files kicking around on my laptop hard drive and to be able to bring this interview to you guys also if you haven't checked me out on facebook yet i am on facebook uh, more than punk and i've reached a level of internet fame where i have grown middle-aged men taking time out of their day to comment on my facebook posts telling me that i'm not a real punk and that i'm not punk enough and that the bands that i interview aren't punk enough so it's a pretty exciting place i feel like that is that's the true test of internet fame right if you've got a guy with like a family and friends and jobs and hobbies, well, presumably, taking time out of their day to say you're a poser, I think you've made it. I think you've fucking cracked it. So anyway, check me out on Facebook, Twitter. It's all at More Than Punk. This is Devil Soldier's Soul. It's Ed and Paul, the dueling vocalists. And man, have I got a show for you this week. It's a, it's a weird one. I've actually been listening to... This is going to be weird, but I've been listening to, like, loads of sad shit recently. Do you guys know Frightened Rabbit? I know the name of... Um, they're like a Scotch band, aren't they? The singer yeah. died. Um, the singer commits suicide a couple of years back. 
Yeah, yeah, he did. I've been deep into them at the moment, and um, for no like real reason, they're just a really fucking great band. They just yeah, happen to be incredibly depressing at the same time. Sorry, like what is it called? Sorry, Frightened Rabbit. And I've been reading this book called um, Pizza Girl, which is about this like eighteen-year-old pizza delivery driver, and she's pregnant, and she's just super sad all the time, and then she falls in love with one of her customers and becomes like a quasi stalker. And so, like, <laughs> so, like, John hits me up, and and I get the press release for you guys, and I'm I'm reading about loss, and I'm like, oh man, this is sad shit is like right up my fucking alley right now. Like, <laughs> what, what, and if, what, if we're gonna start with Frightened Rabbit, where would I start? Oh, um, there's an album called uh, Is it Modern Organ Fight or something like that? Ooh, I'm I'm bad. I've got um, Sing the Greys, The Winter of Mixed Drinks. Um, pedestrian verse painting of a panic attack that one's quite good there should be one after painting of a panic attack oh maybe it's the, not on apple midnight music, that'd be why i guess it's not on which one apple music ah what's apple music it's just um is that like a cheap version of spotify <laughs> the apple version of spotify <laughs> i'm just giving you shit dude uh. um <laughs> it's it's on spotify but also um pedestrian verse is pretty good too that was kind of the album where people started to like take notice okay you know they're a solid though they are they were a solid band uh because we're talking about music what have you guys been listening to at the moment uh spirit box like spirit Ooh. box yeah. absolutely love them um and i just be honest i don't listen to too much metal at the moment it's mostly like uh like things like hammock and goldman and um olafar arnold's like really like haunting piano and atmospheric stuff because literally my whole day is mental and i just want to turn it off mm. <laughs> uh well then i've been listening to the new architects record a bit that's been really good um new cult of luna album's cool well it's, it's album by length i suppose um as is a classic cult of luna record but Last year we re released um, Coloring Book onto streaming sites. So I listened to that a little bit. I think I've, yeah, again, it's just been too busy <laughs> to listen to. Yeah. yeah, I get that. I get so much stuff that people are like, oh, you must listen to like punk and heavy music all the time. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> like, I listen, like, I do listen to a decent amount of it, right? But yeah, like, yeah. So, so much stuff comes across, across my desk. That's such a fucking wanky saying. So much stuff <laughs> ends up in my inbox that I've just, I end up defaulting to like all of the old shit on my Spotify. Oh, I always just go back and listen to the same stuff that I always listen to. I listen to like the same five records for the last six years. Yeah. You can't, it's funny because like when you listen to the radio, you're like, oh, they play all the same shit. And then you go on your Spotify and they're like, I'm going to listen to that song again. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys heard the new, are you a Day to Remember fans? Have you heard the new Day to Remember album? I haven't yet, no. Is that any good? See, this is an interesting one because you know how Bring Me the Horizon did that sort of left turn and they were like heavy screamo emo straight into like that's the spirit and everyone was like what the fuck but totally on board right i loved it yeah oh yeah i like the new day to remember album but i feel like they did that and then they got a bit scared so they like sort of peppered in some more like heavier pop punk kind of songs just to, yeah. to get people through you know yeah but i didn't fully commit yeah i feel like i mean that because they've always they're one of those bands that and i really like their ethos and that they've always been upfront about being like we want to be one of your favorite bands we want to have a song for every mood that you're in and however you're feeling so the album it fits in with that right because like yeah, now there's yeah. happy poppy songs and there's you know sort of more like sad low-key stuff 
But yeah, I think they got a little bit scared. Don't tell them I said that though, just in case they one day come <laughs> on the podcast. Know, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'll, I'll give it a listen, Tiffany. Um, I saw like I've seen mixed reviews about it. Same as like I guess the Architects album has been received very differently by different people. And um, but then it's a transition record, so it's going to be it's going to be. Well, I think people. anything polarizing is is yeah is is interesting, and I think it's quite. I don't know, it's quite a brave thing to do, to do anything that's going to be polarising. I agree, like I you. definitely agree. See, I, f- I feel like in a sense you have to, you know, like with podcasts, I'm kind of stuck in where it's just people talking and I'm either like on my game and I'm witty and insightful and intelligent and everyone has a good time or I'm off my game and everyone's bored and they go, Jesus, we're not talking to that guy again. <laughs> but like, at least with music, you you can push you can push that. Like if you guys wanted yeah. to release a dubstep album just to kind of flex your, you know, creative side, you could, right? Like that's kind of the it's point. It's funny that you mentioned that um, because next week... <laughs> <laughs> but do you feel like that... I mean, that kind of freedom comes with the territory, right? And I feel, I feel like people are always anxious when their favorite band releases something because part of them wants it to be the same as it's always been, but you, it just yeah, doesn't it work seems, like that. Life I mean, doesn't for me, like, that. like one of my favorite bands is Thrust, like the US band, and I I, I love them. And every, every album seems to go a little bit further into something. I remember when they brought out Beggars after um, the Alchemy Indexes, and it was like such a change. I did go back for it, to it for a year. It's not like one of my favourite prize albums. I still don't like that record. Are oh, you? Need to get in the bin. <laughs> but you know what? I think I think bands and 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 music fans really approach music from a completely different angle. Like unless you're looking for a new band, most people going to bands are looking for that nostalgia feel. Whereas uh, musicians are really looking to do something new. So it's like you're really going, coming at it from completely different sides of the coin. So I think it's it's always going to be tough if you try something new because that your fans aren't necessarily looking for something new, like like you say. So I think it's it, it you do have to be relatively like brave, I suppose, to do anything which is like dr- dramatically different. Yeah, definitely. I think you've got to find that you're either going like deeper into your sound and deeper into your shit or wider right is that does that kind of you guys like yeah i think that's that's how we we approach it we don't i don't think any of us really want to take any like massive u-turns and do something like entirely we know what we fundamentally sound like and it's really for us it's about embedding our sound into something like slightly different from what we've usually done i guess already like widening like we we really try and push our sound outwards rather than like go somewhere new. We just trying to push it to wider extremes. I think is how we tend to go at it. Yeah, I say like as well like songwriting wise from lyric perspective, I think it'd be easier to feel comfortable with putting more personal stuff into it. And maybe I didn't do so much of that to start with, and it's become like go deeper into it in a different way. Um, it's I guess it's just you learn you learn your training every single day. Even even this time, my fourth will be a record unwritten in total. Like, I'm still learning. I'm still learning like, how comfortable I am with certain things and, and how I want to sort of make, make my music. So I had, I had this rule on the podcast where like, I'm never going to ask you to explain 
a song, what a song means. And my listeners <laughs> are going to be sick. And then my listeners are going to be sick of me like this analogy. But basically, my thinking behind it is if you write a song about taking a shit and then I listen to that song and I really like it and it means something meaningful to me. And then you explain to me that that song's about you taking a shit. It kind of just ruins the song for me, right? We were literally just talking about this on, on our last interview. Like, and it is really about writing about, um, not like you don't want to write about like the specifics of your situation that you're singing about. Because the second you do that, you've, you've just driven it into this like super niche specific thing to you and it's not going to be relatable to anyone because you've just spoken about a very like you know you've you've whittled it down to so many like key things it's like this can only happen to you because this is your life kind of thing so if you think about more like if you're not singing about the specifics you're singing really more about how it's making you feel it's just so much more relatable in that sense because people can say hey well, i feel like that but this is why you feel like this He's not a bear. Come on, skip for, skip for a walk. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's that universal sense, though. One thing I do want to ask you about, though, is the kind of more literary side of lyric writing. Like, there are lyricists or books or whatever that you read that make you kind of rethink the way you're putting words down, the words you use, and how you want to use them. It's interesting. I mean, I would say that like from an English language point of view, that's probably my weakest uh, uh, factor. I'm, I'm a bit dyslexic and also not very, uh, uh, I, I try it as hard as I can, but I wouldn't say that I, I'm like a, a poet or anything like that. I, my, my well, lyrics are very... I, I disagree. I, I think your lyrics are really poetic. Simple uh, two, two uh, syllable words put together in a string. I, I genuinely think that I did explain this to somebody on Ethiopia. I said, I, I think you're I maybe a bit more straight with what I say in my lyrics. I think you're more poetic. So don't, don't, don't sell yourself down, man. Honestly, like, you, you do a great job, and people like lyrics throughout the years. Yeah, totally. I mean, no one's being like, hey, why aren't you writing lyrics in the way that Oscar Wilde would write a poem? You know, like. <laughs> That's obviously not what I'm not what I'm getting at there. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's I, you can only put out what's coming out from your brain, can't you? It's not like I find it very hard to. Um, I, I do find it quite hard to write lyrics, and I suppose sometimes it's it's a, it's about finding that one word which gets you opens up a whole like chest full of other things to be able to put it together sometimes it is just finding that that word that holds some sort of like meaning or or just something makes you a word that makes you feel something because obviously all the, a lot of the words are connecting words that uh the bits that root you through the the important bits i suppose i think that's that helps me finding like a word or something especially if you're working on a specific line i guess does that drive you up the fucking wall? I don't yeah, write lyrics. Yeah. Hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking, like, I don't write lyrics, but I've spent ages writing up interviews, articles, that kind of stuff. And I know they're not the same thing. Because when you're writing an, an interview with a band, you can get away with being flat footed in a connecting word. You can just be kind of like brutish and just be like, you know, he said, and it gets you to the next point. You know, yeah, and, but and with guess, lyrics, you can think about how you sing them and the music and all that kind of shit. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. that's the bit that drives me up the wall. It's like not only that you have to get across what you want to say, you also have to fit it into the syllables that you've 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 outlined, I guess. And then also, um, 
the words have to sound a certain way. It's not good enough just to have a cool line. If the, if, if the wrong parts of those words hit how you want the melody to sound, like if you're hitting a, like a closed sounding word and you want it to be a really open held note at the end of a line, you've got to change the word because it doesn't sound right. So oh, it's yeah. like, it's not only just editing it to get across what you want to say, it's then you have to like jam it into like these molds that you've already like put together. But then, it, it really pains me to like change some lips, some lyric lines to do. Uh, you have to be brutal. That's the thing that I've learned. Yeah. You have to be absolutely ruthless with it because at the end of the day, if it doesn't sound right, it doesn't matter how good the line is. I mean, you could, and I think you can go the other way where you write the lines and then then you try and write the song around the lines you've got. But then I think you end up shoe, like shoehorning yourself into really specific vocal patterns. And don't get me wrong when I say this, because I absolutely adore Touche Amore. They're one of my favourite bands. But you can tell Jeremy writes the lyrics and then he forces them into the songs in some ways. Because sometimes the patterns are either there's too many syllables in them or like it's like yeah like it, there may be like a couple extra syllables at the end or something where it's just gone that's what i want to say and to me that's more important and that's that's totally cool like that's his thing yeah. is that the lyrics to him are more important than maybe the musicality of it otherwise he would edit it i suppose but i get i get really frustrated with that so i i have have to find the route that sounds the, the most pleasing to me at least I feel like because of our relationship with music, we often think like we hear lyrics and you know we think they're about us and people can like we we get all of that all of that shit. But when you're writing and I and you're editing and that kind of thing, do you sometimes you you would have like the idea of a song right? Like this song's gonna be about whatever, um, without breaking my rule. And then, you know, and then you sort of get the lyrics down, you go, that word doesn't really work, that line doesn't really work there. And does it become a separate thing where you just go fully into editing mode and you're like, you just want to come up with the be- the way that it sounds the best and it kind of separates itself from, like, so, where it way, started? I'm an editor by trade, so it, it, my head just instantly goes into edit mode. Like, what's the, the best route through this? <laughs> I, de- I think I definitely, I probably think of it a little bit differently. When I start a track, I kind of, I'll have a couple of lines that it's kind of inspired the rest of the track for me so I want to write it and lyrically and meaning-wise. Um, so if I find that I've written a line, I'm like really fond of the lyrics. I'm like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this whole track about this, these couple of lines. Absolutely. Um, and it's just because I know that they're, if they're strong lyrics and people will attach themselves to them um, and they resonate. So it's, yeah, it's always tough because when we write and whenever I've written, it's always been you start with words. I do anyway, like it's just noise. Get the melodies down, it can just be like yeah. absolute bumbling nonsense. Um, and then you apply words to it. But there's a ca- the occasion, like at the end of Devastator, um, with the bitch screams, I had those lyrics and that melody before I even heard that song. Huh, and that's, that's, and that's kind of yeah it's super weird I, re- I wrote those exact words as a little itty type um melody in my head and I had it in a, my notes and i just just put it it's so interesting how like the brain the, the how everyone's brain works differently like mm. i don't think i could ever like write a vocal part and lyrics in my head without knowing what was i mean i could but i don't i would have no idea what the hell was going on up here oh, usually i don't 
I just need like um yeah, I've always been noting down my phone. Like uh, you wrote a vocal part and then said, Hey Rick, could you want to try and put some music to this? Yeah. I, I thought you were crazy. I am a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, it's a case of like it's it's a weird one, man. Like I, I go into into dark corners in my head quite a lot and just think about what will my life be like if this happened. And I'll write something from my perspective if, if that was the case. And that's where the chorus for Lost came from. It, it was I had that before Lex's mom passed. Right. And um, that's that's how dark things got through my head. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that was just something that I added in and then built first onto it. Yeah. Well, I'm getting weird feedback on your audio. Are you getting that? Oh, really? Or is that on my side? So I, I can't keep breaking up for me a little bit, actually. I don't know what's wrong with this freaking computer. I mean, let me try my other webcam if it works. I had to play out earlier because it was pissing around. Um, let me see if this one's better. Ooh. Into the black. <laughs> this is it actually going to work? Oh. You can hear you. Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe better? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a better. Um, oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> I don't need to see this mug anyway. Um, I like seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Even even the options don't doesn't give me any options. Um, it might have been. Yeah. Um, were you using headphones with um, Mike in the headphones? No, there's no mic in these headphones. Oh, okay. just, yeah. No, not, I'm just showing them to you, but you can't see me. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that moment when you're at work and you're like gesticulating at the screen you try to point a line at someone being like no look at this and you're like wait i'm a fucking idiot yeah oh, it's man. the exact bit that they can't see it's the only bit they can't see yeah i do yeah, that all I the time or i drag <laughs> something into the share screen area and i'm like that's sharing right and they're like no <laughs> <laughs> how have i not been fired and they're like we don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't think you'll be able to see me on it um that's chill. It's not a, a video podcast anyway, really. Oh, cool. So I just, you know, people respond to people and all that jazz. Yeah, sorry about that. No, uh, it's chill, man. It's all good. Well, if you can hear me better, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it sounds it sounds good. Sound good cool. for you, Ed? Yeah, all good. Nice. Um, okay, so we were talking about songs like climbing up the wall, editing, all that kind of stuff. Um, going to dark places. There's this really interesting point that I've talked to a couple of people, and I don't know why I always use him as an example, but Ian Rankin comes up constantly. And it was fucking Ben Marwood that put this in my head. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's an amazing songwriter. Ben, ben Marwood? Yeah. Yeah, he used to run the recording, uh, practice studios I used to play at when I was a kid. No way. Yeah, man, he's from Reading. Yeah, Ben, and it, he used to, he, oh, sorry, he used to practice at the same studio, and he actually... I'm sure he recorded Outhouse for a while. I'm sure he was like one of the best dudes there. I'm sure he was. But anyway, he was, I know him anyway. He's a really nice guy. Such a nice guy. And and like an amazing lyricist and songwriter. Um, but he has this this excellent song about um, like tell Avril Lavigne I didn't want to be her stupid boyfriend anyway. And we're talking about um, storytelling and, and like lyrics and stuff. And after that conversation, he just totally got this idea stuck in my head. Um, but we're talking about how 
when you sing a song as, as vocalists and you come up with lyrics and people, you know, connect with them and all that sort of stuff, they feel like they know you, right? Because they feel like they, they know what you've oh, been through. Yeah. And I feel like I know people just from listening to them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's weird. I mean, you do get people come up to you quite a lot at like the merch stand, for example, and I just, um, and just kind of un- unload on you, which is, is, amazing because it's like the most humbling thing in the world it's also like really catches you by surprise yeah so i don't think you ever like prepared for someone to go oh yeah you know that track you wrote about x y whatever um yeah that really helped me get through this and like and they all it's almost unload on you like almost like you're a counselor (laughs) but uh, but also as a friend it's um it's a really strange a really strange thing but it's like one of the most insane and amazing things at the same time impossible to get your head around that isn't it like yeah. you, you just live in your own uh your own little bubble and you it's really hard to to as a musician uh to understand that anyone's even heard your band it's really an odd concept that someone can be sat at home listening to something that you've you've like worked on and released because it, it's such a music such a weird like untangible thing it's not like you can turn on the TV and you can see the thing that you've made. It's like, it's, it's such a non-physical ethereal thing, isn't it? Music. So it's like, it's hard to tangent. It's hard to sort of get your head around the fact that it even exists. Sometimes it's weird. Don't know how to really verbalize that. It's odd. And it feels kind of intimate too. Right. In that sense that like someone's, I don't know, having a shit day and they're listening to your band on on their headphones or they're just lying in bed and they can't sleep and it's your music playing, whatever music. How do you deal with that when people come up and dump on you? Like, what do you do with that information? I'd freak um, the fuck out. I am not emotionally secure enough to be able to handle that kind of I shit. I don't think to listen, don't you, Paul? But it's it's yeah, it's hard to know what to say sometimes. There's been a couple of occasions where it's made me quite upset. Um, mm. Not because I'm you know, upset, like, oh my God, I can't handle what this person saying. It's more, I just feel freaking bad for them because at the end of the day, we're like, we're really normal people and we're not like really, we don't work not pretty normal jobs. We, we live a very normal life. And then it's, it'd be, it's just so, it's so difficult to hear people having, ha- having gone through a really tough time. And, it, and it's even, it's almost like, you know, it chokes me up in a, in a happy stroke, sad way. Utterly bittersweet, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I hate to see, I hate people see people suffering like hundred percent and that's it's, it's a weird yeah obviously that's that's like most people would feel that way but it's um I mean empathy is a good good emotion yeah it is yeah um so I don't know I just I'm just grateful I'm super grateful that anything we we do like that has on a positive impact on anybody absolutely I agree with that I know that you guys don't get into music well most bands don't get into music to you know be that for people you know what I mean like people start making music because they like it well it's, and or, also it's, it's it's personal catharsis isn't it so it's right. like you're getting your shit off your chest but in doing so it's helping other people get that off their chest but you don't necessarily uh, think too much about that when you're doing it because it's it's it, you can't couldn't possibly imagine what anyone else is going through because we're all kind of in our own stuck in our own weird little heads anyway aren't we <laughs> And I imagine you couldn't really write if you were thinking about all of that stuff too, right? Because then you're thinking about like, what's this word being mean to someone else, this line, this kind of, it just oh, no extrapolates yeah. endlessly. I mean, yeah. it's always looking inwards. 
when when writing um i think you know i've, I've got friends that write uh pop music and stuff like that and edm and they they're always looking outwards because they're looking at what's popular what how what's gonna sell what's gonna do well for the labels and they do a good job at it one of them by one of my best best mates is number one in the uk charts at the moment because he writes that sort of stuff um which is great but it's very different for us i mean we i don't think we've ever ever kind of looked down that sort of way that that route before we've always thought about you know about the band as a an, an internal sort of piece and um yeah it's it's a, it's a different writing position completely yeah is there anything that prepares you for that um connection that you have with people i mean like i've talked about this before but record labels don't come with therapists attached you know or there's there's no coaching right there's no kind of like hey just so you know you're going to put this music out and someone's going to freak out over it and get your band <laughs> name tattooed on their chest and then like and i've got band tattoos like i am that guy but you know like nothing really prepares you for that right i mean do you remember when that girl was going around who had uh, ollie sykes uh, face tattooed on her butt and she was like showing everyone that <laughs> look this is about sort of 15 years ago and it's like at the time everyone was like the uk all these uk bands were all like pretty small bands at that time and i just remember everyone was just like this is so strange and now that seems like not strange at all given how like catastrophic like not like, not catastrophic that's not the word of like how enormous and like popular they are now that obviously doesn't seem like a strange idea but that was a really like bizarre thought i definitely did not see that tattooed ass <laughs> me neither and i feel like i, mean, I missed something it. important i might have to try and google this because it was it'll be on the internet <laughs> this will be on the internet <laughs> it oh, feels mental. like such a bold move to get all those like those bands and those faces and then and then obviously they blow up right which yes. is just well, someone fortunate. somewhere's got ian watkins's face tattooed onto them oh, oh my god i know yeah. and we know what happened there so I it's a case to, of i used to fucking love that band yeah too. they were great they yeah really good and like and the and like the rest of the band are really lovely people um he's just a very messed up man and, and he's in the best place for for him he is um yeah what a crazy time uh but it's, it's a funny one um i don't have any tattoos I, i've never committed to getting anything so done so i've never got the band tattoos but i it's it's I, I really like it i love it when people do get our lyrics and stuff tattooed on them it's it's like a really yeah that's really cool. again it's okay, let's keep using the word but hu really humbling because again like, geez someone actually has committed that much to our band and our music and this song it's mad it blows, blows my blooming mind yeah that would have weirded me out i mean you know but i do a podcast right like no one's gonna get something that i say tattooed on them which is sort of comforting you never know man you never know depends <laughs> how big you get it's uh it could blow up become a global sensation and then people get your, your face tattooed on their butt just like this girl that would be I can't find this tattoo. I'm good. <laughs> I love that you're like way down that rabbit hole now of just <laughs> tattooed butts. How many butts have you seen so far? It's mostly just pictures of Ollie, to be fair. Okay. <laughs> can't find it. No, take it, was, out. it was quite bad as well. It wasn't very good tattoo. That was the funniest thing. <laughs> I mean, if anyone listening to this um, ever finds that tattoo, can they tweet at me and you guys? Because I want to see that shit, but I don't want to look for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I tell you what, the Google image search wasn't as wasn't what you. It wasn't as bad as you'd have thought it'd be. 
I'm just going to take your word for that. <laughs> oh probably... yeah, I'm lulling you to a false sense of security so you look and then it's terrific. <laughs> it's probably lost in the depths of MySpace 2007 or something like that. Yeah, maybe she's gone and scoured the internet and let it all take you down. God, I miss MySpace. Do you, actually... you ever... Yeah. Sebastian, did you ever hear of um, the Audi Sykes lookalike in the UK? <laughs> called, um, everyone called him Audi Sykes. Audi Sykes? <laughs> I never heard of that. Yeah, he was like, he spent this whole time trying to look exactly like Audi Sykes. Um, Ollie's a really nice guy as well, by the way. He's um, uh, he, he probably gets a bit of rep because he's like a, a big rock star, but he's lovely, really lovely. And this guy was just going around pretending to be him at all of the shows. Yeah, it was literally. It wasn't like he he just had an online persona where he was trying to be Ollie. He was literally going around like telling people that he's Ollie. Yeah, so everyone just called him Aldi Sykes, which is freaking amazing because that's like a really cheap supermarket out in the UK if you don't know it. <laughs> I was talking about that with um with Pet Needs. They've got this lyric in their song, and it's like I thought the punks went to Iceland, and I was like, before I moved to the UK, if I'd heard that song, I would have been like, why are all the punks going to Reykjavik? <laughs> <laughs> Like, that makes no fucking sense. What are you guys on? But, yeah, I get it now. <laughs> Man, I feel sorry for Ollie, though. That would be such a fucking weird experience. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, he must I think have been... He, yeah. I think he called him out, didn't he, a couple of times because mm. the guy was trying to hit on people saying it was... Yeah, he was getting Ollie. a bit weird, actually. So Yeah. It isn't actually that funny, I don't think. No, just not, but Audi Sykes is pretty... Like the base concept of it is quite funny, but yeah, yeah. not the reality of it. That's one of those weird things, like where as you, I guess, as you grow as a band and that kind of thing, like weird shit starts to happen, right? So yeah. you guys, and I realized that you guys were kind of like steam, full steam ahead before the world turned to shit. But is there, you know, does weird stuff kind of happen or are you kind of like looking at that future going, yeah, this is going to be slightly uncomfortable, but you've just got to take it with the territory? I think because um, we've been around for like so long now, I think a lot of our main fan base, at least, is kind of Normal. they've grown with us and a lot of them are, are a bit older now. So it's it's less fanatical, I guess, than I think we probably used to get more weird stuff back in the day. But it wasn't like we never got anything absolutely crazy. I remember once um, Ruth's best friend was on a train and heard someone overheard someone like telling them their friends that they were like going out with me and Helen was like you're not yeah but that and that's dangerous so dangerous like some people just will just say stuff um or yeah it's it that side of things is really really not okay that's scared that's creepy and invasive because especially like mm. obviously that's your wife yeah. <laughs> and um yeah that's not that can't have been comfortable for you either well but, you know what it was so ridiculous that it was just like we both kind of laughed at it because yeah. Helen just came up and said, "Oh yeah, I saw this thing." <laughs> what? I can't. I can't think I've ever had like. Too, I haven't had too much fanatical stuff ever over the years. I mean, you get to get pictures drawn of you and things like this, and that's oh, yeah. out, cool. which is like super cool. And like, yeah, it's really nice. People care, and like, obviously they're into drawing, and they care enough about you as a musician and as for your music. That is. Um, that they'll do something like that but that they want to use their art to yeah use yeah it's cool i mean it was nice as well when we went to japan a couple of years back and that like super fan gave you the presents and stuff that was like really that's really nice and she was super lovely and just yeah it's cool yeah really nice there's a cool thing i think where like art begets art 
you know, and people, like you say, people drawing portraits of you and that sort of way that you can inspire someone and change, you know, the way they think about something or get them involved in their art. I mean, is that something that you guys... I don't, I don't want to say think about because it sounds like a calculated move where you oh, go out and you go, oh, we've done this. But, I think inspiration is completely like, like, it just goes round and round and round. Like, I think we'd all be lying if we said we didn't hear, like, if you hear, like, just, just one of those songs and it's just like, fuck, this is music. I've got to go and write music. And it's never, like, necessarily, oh, I need to write something that's like this. But when you hear something that really just like sings to you I suppose it really it, it it I've never found anything quite as inspiring as he, seeing or hearing piece of art that makes me want to just like desperately like write some music it's what was weird. the first tra first track that you heard that kind of made, inspired you to do something like that yeah how did you read my mind was hey. that just an obvious follow-up that was amazing <laughs> God. I don't know it's, it's it, I can't I can't pinpoint anything but I know the feeling yeah, it cannot. It can be. It doesn't even necessarily need to be a new song. Sometimes it's a song you've heard like a million times, and it just gets you at the right moment where you're kind of ready. I suppose maybe ready to. You haven't done something creative for a while, and it just it's like, oh shit, I need to do something. Yeah, just creative. I guess it doesn't necessarily need to be music, but yeah, I think for me it was Oasis back in the day when I was like a little teenager, and it's like uh, I was first. a blunt kid. Oh, you a freaking scumbag. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, Alex James has lived down the road, so I should probably change to be a Blur affiliate now. But um, when, I, when I was a kid, I was so super obsessed. with. They were the first guitar band I got into because my parents weren't really into sort of rock or anything like that, so I didn't really get the opportunity to sort of learn off them. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, Oasis, man. Like, me and me and my best mate, we, we set up a little practice room in his, like, spare room in his house and just jammed out crap and freestyle lyrics by staring at whatever was in the room and just making stuff up about it it was stupid but it was inspirational man i wouldn't i wouldn't be doing this today if it hadn't been for those times mine was uh, i'm pretty sure it was like the under the bridge the red hot chili pepper song mm. um but i still remember the very first time i got shown a murder dolls music video and it was their cover of white wedding and I, and I was just kind of starting to get into like rock. I wasn't into metal or anything. And I remember seeing that video and kind of being like scared out of my fucking mind. Like instead of being like, this is amazing. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is terrifying. And I mean, now, of course, if I met Wednesday, I'd like burst into a cloud of dust. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll I tell you what, that I was into music and stuff growing up, like really into music. And I started playing guitar when I was 11. But I, I do remember... A handful of bands when I was about sort of 40 like maybe yeah about 14 I think that I heard that completely just blew my mind on um like guitar music like mm -hmm. through my early teens I was listening to so you sort of came in via like I don't know like Green Day and stuff and then moved into kind of new metal stuff because that's what was around at the time so you know Slipknot uh, got into like bands like Spineshank and stuff oh and then, Spineshank is so cool and then uh I, I just remember that like I remember first time I heard the hope conspiracy and I remember the first time that I heard glass jaw and it was like oh shit this is what I want to do like it it was like music that was passionate and emotional and just really direct in terms of like they were screaming because it like wasn't screaming because it was theatrical wasn't screaming because it was creepy it wasn't anything like that it was screaming because it was just like this is catharsis and this is getting this shit off my chest and it was like 
it that just sang to me like straight away like both like really kind of i mean hope are just like a straight up hardcore band i suppose but it was all it was like sort of melodic it was heavy it was like passionate and screaming and it was just like that 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 completely opened my mind to uh to to music and that's that that, that ethos has really stuck with me since the moment i heard that stuff because that's really just what that's that's my interest still like 20 years later did you guys ever have other things and what i mean by that is i'm one of those people that's kind of like scatterbrained right i see the world and i'm like wow there's so much cool shit i want to do this i want to do this (laughs) i'm like a dog chasing a car um but you know you talk to a lot of musicians and and stuff and it's like oh yeah we you know i I landed in music and music was the only thing i ever wanted to do but for you guys is that true or was there a whole bunch of stuff pulling you in different directions and music just happened to be the one that fit the most i i I mean i was i got into music in a big way when i was at uni college and uni did it the same place and I, i wanted to be an architect um that was for me was kind of like really where i wanted to be and i sort of got the foundations for that i did my degree in 3D design, etc., and I was really kind of hoping to go down that path, but um, I guess music sort of pulled me away from it. And uh, my other my other band, the Arusha Record, was kind of kicking off, and it was starting to you know we were getting some some real like somewhere good with it. And um, yeah, it, it definitely it turned my head, and I realised that I don't have to do a job that I love to to enjoy life. And so I got, I, you know, I have a project manager um, pretty much by trade. I run a consultancy business and that's kind of how I earn my money. I don't love it. It's something I'm pretty good at, but at the same time, it enables me to do the stuff that I love. And that's so important. Um, it's taken the pressure off the music, which has allowed us to free, allowed me to free up my mind um, to enjoy this more. Absolutely. I, th- I think like when I, 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 it was kind of, I think it's really only been my ever sort of creative output. It's probably the only thing that I've ever really been particularly good at in terms of, um, yeah, like creativity. I, I, it's, it's how I, if I, I feel like I want to do something creative, that's where I'll always want to sort of funnel it, I suppose. So I've had to have hobbies and stuff, but it's never really been like, I wanted to use that as like an outlet like I mean so say for instance I started um, snowboarding about three years ago because my brother and sister were really into it and they said oh you should come with us and try it and it's like the best thing it's like one of my favorite things ever and it's really cathartic in like a similar way but it's not like a creative output I suppose in terms of creating something I mean that's not entirely true in terms of if you actually genuinely are inspirationally good at it it can be kind of you can see it as an art form because it's just like yeah you can create art you can create um you can be in the photos you can be in the videos you can create the mood um like the tricks you can do whatever um absolutely and it's like also just it's when someone's like inspirationally good at something that is kind of art in a way i think it's it's a bit weird but yeah i think th- i think music's really the only place i've ever wanted to like focus that kind of side of my brain on and Paul, you mentioned pressure before. You're saying that the work allows you to focus on music without pressure. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously a hypothetical question, but if you were doing this like all the time, full time, do you feel like it would be too much pressure? Like, do you feel like that would just be like, um, you know what, this doesn't work? It wouldn't be pressure in the sense of 
um, you know, we wouldn't be able to manage the workload, etc. It's pressure in terms of the financial side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've done it full time before, Ed's done it full time before, and I've never earned a penny from music. Same. So, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, I've been doing it for since I was 18. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. You think about it, like, we, you know, the amount of money that's gone into into other people from our music and that we've had to put into it ourselves um, because we love it. And I think people forget that. I think people see that you're signed to a massive, la- a massive label like Nicola Glass and that you're going to be... <laughs> a mega wealthy rock star like no everything around me has been bought by working really hard outside of music i remember once doing a, a, a five week tour and we did particularly well on merch and all of us came no not five week a six week tour did particularly well on merch and we all came home with 500 pounds and we were like stoked on it like absolutely out of our minds stoked on the fact that we come home with some money and that's probably the only money I've ever taken home from being yeah. <laughs> yeah I talk I like to talk to people about the kind of commercial side not necessarily like you know show me your tax returns kind of commercial side of music but I think with you know because I've always been on this side of the industry I don't call myself like a music journalist now because this isn't journalist you know I'm just kind of shooting the shit with you guys but do it when you do that and it, there's no kind of barrier to entry, right? Like you can hit up a magazine and they'll go, oh, cool. Here's an album and here's a calling card. Like be on this, well, this is going way back. Be on this conference call with this band, take some notes, write an article, like, and we'll send you some free music. You know, you can hear the band's album for free or whatever. The, the people that like, there's very few people that, that make a career from it. You know, even people that work for Metal Hammer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. have jobs outside of working for Metal Hammer. And it's amazing how much of this industry survives and thrives on the amount of people that don't make any fucking money. And I think yeah. the problem is with any creative industry is that it's driven by people that love it. So people inherently will uh, do things that would they would never do for in any other industry for basically like for free on the basis that they love it. And it's kind of, it's, it's a tough one that because it's exactly the same with the bands and it's exactly the same with people on sort of the journalism and the press side and you know record label sides and stuff like it's hard to get a position within music that pays it's really like yeah definitely and like you know that's why it hurts maybe even more if someone gives you a hard time about what you've done because it's like i'm not doing this because i'm trying to make money i'm trying to fleece you out of any money for like my product etc it's because i freaking love it and i do this because it's it's a passion project and it's something that means a lot to me. So if it, if it doesn't mean anything to you, but it, it offends you, which how could it, um, then that does hurt. Yeah. I think so, you've hit the nail on the head there. Cause I get really like upset when I'm not saying people can't have opinions. People can obviously have opinions, but yeah, opinions can... are like assholes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. And, <laughs> and it, just, it, it when someone says like a personal attack against you, it's really hard to not take it like incredibly personally because like Paul says, we're not doing this for any kind of career choice. It's not a cynical uh, endeavor in any way, shape or form. It's very, very personal and we're doing it because we love it. So when you see someone just absolutely tearing you apart online, it it, it really hurts. It really yeah. hurts. 
I'd also like to bludgeon their head in with uh, many of my cricket bats, as I have many <laughs> cricket bats. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pick pick a bat, choose your bat. This, that's how you're going to end. <laughs> I mean, the, the social media thing is, is super interesting, right? Because obviously it's all thrust in our faces and, and you know, that kind of thing. And I talked to bands that have been like, you know what, we don't like it, but we understand that you've got to be on it if you want to make some kind of money, right? Whether it's like ads on your YouTube videos or yeah. whatever. But when you've got people that are talking, like, do you do you search the name of the band? Yeah. Like, do you look up, you know, the new album and see what people are saying about it? How do you deal with that Because I, I part out. of it, there's like, I'm scared of like, I'm scared of what people say, but there's, there's another part that's about validation. Mm-hmm. Um, and because um, there's a hell of a lot that goes in and goes in around our brains, uh, especially me, I, I don't know if I, I can't talk to Fred, obviously, but about that crippling self-doubt about what you've produced and making Absolutely. sure that you can then go and find somebody saying it's a really good album. That It means a lot. It's not, And it's not an ego thing. It's just literally I've spent four years, three, four years writing something with my mates. And I just want to know if it's OK. I completely agree with that completely agree and it's it's i don't know it's it becomes this weird thing because i always wanted yeah i want to see if people are talking about it and enjoying it and quite often you you will find some really unpleasant stuff about yourself and it sets you down a really horrible rabbit hole like i found this website called sputnik music oh like literally shit all over me it is it's horrible like it's (laughs) And it's the way they're talking about you is one, like they know you, they they talk about you quite personally and they'll just outright talk about how awful they think you are. And it's like, this is horrible. I'm just like, uh, we're not like a like a massively popular band. So seeing that is just like, like I don't know, I just feel like a normal person who goes to his job every day, like, like every day. So it's just like when you see that stuff, it's like... <laughs> Could you imagine that? Go, going into like an, an office job and then on a notice board, there's just people going, uh, Deborah from accounting says that you're an absolute prick and that your <laughs> your voice sounds like a wet fanny. <laughs> if you in the back of a room and you've heard, and it's people like talking about you, it's, it feels like that, and like, but not in talking about you in a good way, like talking about how much they hate you. That's what it sometimes feels like. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. And, it, and yeah, now that there's both of us in the band, it's just a, a comparison contest of like who likes who most, who hates mo- who the most. Oh, I hate them both, fine. <laughs> um, and, you know, at least we got it, we're in it together. But it also like, you know, both us, be- both us being on it now means there is going to be some sort of comparison cont- contest going on, which I we didn't want. We don't want this. We just want to enjoy this for being what it is Absolutely. and it's weird because you you know from a like really objective point of view it's like why do i hold any like any why do i care about any of this stuff it's like it doesn't matter it's just some idiot you probably meet them if you spoke to them about their musical interest you'd probably go oh yeah we don't actually have that much in common therefore your point of reference is pretty different from mine so it's not really it doesn't matter it's not that it's not valid it's mm. just it doesn't matter because our points of reference is so different but it's really hard to like on the opposite side of the scale, like the to not take it subjectively. It's really, it's an odd, but yeah, I don't really know how to put it into words other than it's just difficult. It it's just difficult to take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're on the um, journalism side, like you can work with brutal editors, right? Who will sort of rip your shit apart and be like, you know, this, this needs to be better, blah, blah, blah. 
but it's so different to what you guys go through because that, you know, for example, that, you know, dickhead dude on whatever website may have had someone like an editor be like, you're a shit writer. This is how you do it better. But the chances are they haven't had someone tweet at them and be like, you're a fucking waste of space. You write like a wet fanny. You know what I mean? Like it's. But it's also like, you'd you'd like to think that one way is, is constructive. The other way isn't constructive. It's not like, it's not like like having a nice conversation with you. Well, not necessarily a nice conversation, but it's not like they're trying to do it to make you better. They're just doing it to take a crap on you. That's how it feels. And I, I feel like part of that for, for me, and, I, and I've fallen into this trap before, not to that same extent, but I've been given albums to review that I just didn't get. This is years ago and, and why I stopped doing them. But you get albums from bands. You don't really get it. You work for a street press. You know, you have two days to listen to an album, turn around a 300 word article yeah. and it goes out and then you get the next one. You ever think about it. But it's like if you don't get what they're putting down or it's not your scene or not your vibe, you might come back and be like, oh, you know, the album's like one out of five stars and it's like exhausting to listen to. And it just sounds like every other rap metal band yeah, or yeah whatever it might be right it's subjective isn't it it's not it's yeah not too, that's yeah. why they're fucking bullshit <laughs> yeah, yeah i agree but it's 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 like they're they're only they're legitimate in the sense that it's like this is an opinion but it's not legitimate in the sense that it holds any other meaning apart from one person's opinion it's reviews are strange aren't they yeah we've had um so the only we've had a couple of magazine reviews so far and they've been really positive like this i mean their scores have been good and then we've had one view on Rate My Music by somebody that hasn't heard it. that's just given it a, a 0.5 out of 5. And it's like, you haven't heard it, but somebody hates us that much already <laughs> to just mark us at that point, um, which is which is life. Um, yeah, and it, just... it goes on to, into the whole thing where it's like, why has someone bothered to go on? They've, found, they've landed on one of our videos on YouTube and they've decided that it's worth the time to go boring it's like well that was boring as well i mean surely your time is more valuable than writing nonsense comments on stuff that you're not interested in like, yeah everyone's got a better shit to be doing than that surely sure yeah. it must be weird to even to, like think about occupying that space in someone else's head it's, yeah like the positive stuff we all get right like we understand yeah, yeah. why and how it's, that exists but Sorry. I, I guess that like fundamentally we're not those people who are going to go online and shit on people but i suppose that's uh, that's just complete different personality types and just complete different lives and it's it's just i just think it's it's a bummer that just in internet culture and it's definitely it's definitely like the anonymous anonymous thing that people just feel like they can quite happily just go and tell people what they're thinking it's not necessarily that their opinion's wrong it's just like why do you feel the need to force this unpleasant thought upon people that aren't relevant you know it's not it's not like you're having a conversation with your friends and you're like talking about uh like a record that you don't like it like because that's just a conversation between you and your friends it's not like or album you like and your friend goes oh i'm not too into that but it's not the same as like publicly going out and going i'm gonna type this and it's actually going to be on like the band and the labels uh, youtube channel so they're probably going to see it it's all just a bit like strange thought process man uh, I, I don't get it i mean it's just such a a poisonous position to come from and they they're just absolute pieces of shit 
Fucking hey. <laughs> there's a lot of, I mean, we know there's a lot of music out there that's kind of like a redundant statement, but that it's setting up the question, which is, you know, is it harder to win people's attention now? I was talking to a band the other week that didn't, you know, they had say 2000 listeners on, on Spotify, a great band. Um, they went viral on TikTok and then they had like 18,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, like overnight. And it plateaued at about 10,000. Like, do you, is it harder to grab attention as a band now? Or, you know, do you have to worry about that kind of shit? Or are you just like, fuck it? Harder to retain it. I think getting getting people's attention with, if you've got the right backing for, for the DSPs, um, so getting people to like actually get you onto um, playlists, et cetera. And, and if you've got the, the product and you've got all those bits, you can get people interested. I mean, it's, it's just, just retaining that, isn't it? It's like you need the right person or the right the right company or like that just happens to put you in the right place that a shitload of people see you because we can't put ourselves in a position that shitloads of people are going to see us because we don't have that platform. So you kind of just need someone or something that has a platform mm. just to happen to put even just like a post out about you or something, and then suddenly a shitload of people just know that you exist. That's kind of the the hardest bit is just getting people to know that you exist. I mean, whether yeah. they like you or not is kind of neither here nor there. It, it's the the biggest thing for any band, I suppose, is, is yeah, just not people knowing that you exist. And I think it is really hard because it's it, just for a normal person who is just going about looking for music, it's like, where do you even start? It's just, there's just so much in front of you now. It's not like, like 15, 20 years ago where you had to pay for like, server space and stuff if you wanted to put music up on the internet like pre myspace even is like you needed to pay to do it so that already filtered out all of these bands that like wouldn't necessarily be heard i suppose who wouldn't get it past the first hurdle to you know be playing shows and be moving around and doing stuff so you kind of had to put a certain effort level in at the beginning to get over the first hurdle and then you would already you that people would then start listening to these bands because they weren't like a million of them. Whereas I suppose now with just so much free hosting, it's how easy it is to get your music onto platforms and how easy it is to record your own music now is like, it's just, it's, it's, I mean, that Dillinger Escape Plan album, Option Paralysis, that's like the perfect like term for this, I think is just, and, and Netflix and, and Amazon and Disney Plus, it's like, there's so much content in front of you. You don't even know where to start. Like flicking through Netflix is like, oh, I don't know what to watch. It's like, well, there's like 10,000 things in front of you, but I haven't mm -hmm. picked one of them. I mean, that is like just flicking through it for the past 30 minutes. And it's just music's the same for everyone, I think. It's, yeah, it's... definitely. I mean, looking at that TikTok analogy as well, like I've just given an example. My my friend Tom, he's he used to be guitarist in my other band, the Rouge Record. So he's now in a writing group uh, duo called Bill and Ted. So they're currently number one in the UK with that Sea Shanty dance remix. And um, they, I think before that came out, they had something like 25 to 30,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. And because it was a TikTok phenomenon, they've now got 12,336,000, yeah, 355,000 monthly listeners. Mental. And that's just off one track because TikTok and like the way that, common society is working now is all about flavor of the month current what's current how can you pick up of that 
See, I started to feel old when I saw that Slipknot had a TikTok and I realized I was no longer their target audience. <laughs> I, went, I, I had a TikTok, I went on there um, and I realized that I was wasting my life. So uh, yeah, I got rid of that account. Probably. I actually, I installed it and never lo- loaded it up because I was just interested to like have a quick scroll and just see what it's about because it just, it's totally like strange platform. It's really strange. I mean, I, I remember being awake one night and just like going on in and watching people's live streams and just being like this is just like my next door neighbor basically talking at their kitchen yeah i mean 100 people it's so so weird on there is unbelievable it's like everyone thinking that they're like some famous person talking like they even if they're popular they're like like talking at nobody like they're talking to like a million people is really odd concept so strange it's not for me but like i do appreciate that it's probably helped people through a hard time during this lockdown yeah. and like you, you say not taking away from that at all no not yeah. at all i do think there is like the whole old man thing going on here like i don't understand <laughs> it i don't understand it yeah yeah <laughs> we got old men shouting at clouds right now <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that i'm gonna <laughs> shout at some clouds <laughs> i don't understand it doesn't mean that it is not super important and super exciting for someone who yeah. does understand it, it just... <laughs> Just it's better to at least know that you're a dumb old man that doesn't get it. It's like I don't understand music these days. It's like yeah, the second you say that, you know what's happening, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I go back to that whole thing about discoverability. I have this rather controversial theory that um, if bands like you know Metallica and those other you know Anthrax and stuff would have come out now with all the other music around, they wouldn't have blown up in the way that they did and they wouldn't be what we know them for. And that's not because they're bad bands, right? I think it's because there's a lot of great music out there. And I don't want to say gone are the days where you had that massive label backing, but I think your competition right from the get-go, like you were saying before, Ed, is a million times more, right? Like you can't play the whiskey or go-go to an AR agent anymore and then get slapped onto water music and and boom, you know? No, and I I think also there's the, the whole thing that like, music is constantly developing and and evolving and it's it's so much more complex now than it used to be like if you go back to those like thrash songs in the 80s like metal it's the songs are so simple and that's that's like a cool thing it's own right and that's not like to say that like it's it's like bad anyway like i think that like simple songs are amazing but it, it does seem like it would seem probably if it were to appear today and they wrote the songs that they did write they would seem probably quite straightforward and maybe not that interesting to a, a, a number of people just because what they listen to is just so much more like intense and weird maybe and like gone down everyone go like I was, we were talking about this the other day as well like the term metalcore like i don't think metalcore now means what metalcore did 15 years ago 15 years ago it was like kill switch engage and like as they lay dying and stuff it was all those kind of like sort of bands like Atreyu and that kind of stuff but now I think metalcore just kind of means like modern metal and modern metal is fucking broad these days it's not like like back then metal was like this and now it's just this because everyone's just taken stuff from different genres and like put it together in really interesting and creative ways that it's like modern metal is just it's it's broad as fuck like you listen to like those like some of the stuff they're doing it's it's kind of weird <laughs> but cool because it's not the same as other bands and i think i don't know 
just it's it's an exciting time for heavy music and stuff do you guys yeah. think do you guys think about that as songwriters or is it just like a crushing thing to think about how much different variety and how complicated it's getting and how you know intricate and that kind of thing you just think because i i like i would imagine that for me at least i couldn't handle that right i'd have to be like this is my lane and i'm gonna fucking stay in it yeah. I, we don't know what our lane is so i think that kind of uh helps in a sense because we we i suppose like any band you're like an amalgamation of all of your influences and things that you like like put together in this like really specific and weird way because when there's six people in a band there's no way it could ever be like a straightforward thing these days like i don't know johnny listens to some weird pop music and came up through the like listening to 80s metal but now likes bands like kubla khan and uh and and harm's and way the national. <laughs> and the national so he's got yeah. this like this broad thing and then like paul listens to like a whole wealth of stuff like everyone listens to such broad music that it's like and everyone, especially, I think maybe when you're young, you're a bit more blinkered to what you're listening to. But as you get older, you start thinking, well, it's not really the style that I like. It's maybe the emotions that it makes me feel. So you start, yeah, yeah. start listening think... to stuff that gives you that same vibe. So it just becomes this broad fucking church that it's like six people that listen to a really broad amount of music are going to make this weird subgenre of, of <laughs> metal, I suppose. <laughs> I think for me, I, I have to separate it into two halves, kind of, um, because I've got although I do like blur the lines a bit with what I do because my other band's a tech metal band and like it's super tech so it's um I kind of I I definitely straddle two different things and I, I always I really want to keep them separate I don't want to like uh bleed too much over um in between two band both bands just because I kind of I wouldn't have done devil if I didn't think it was going to be different and it wasn't going to get I wasn't going to be like um, held to account of what my previous sort of history of music was versus this. Um, that was one of the important things when I when I sort of said, "Yeah, I'll I'll join." Um, I I got offered to join a couple of like tech bands, like uh, Monuments asked me to join them uh, back in the day before. Well, this is way before like the last two singers. This is like back when I had two singers. Um, I just didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be in a gentle tech band as well as being in a, in a tech or gent band. So um, I think it was important to have this separation. And it, I, I think I've learned a load having moved into, into devil's area now, because it is different. It's super different as much as you can take elements of each. It's, it's a real pleasure to be able to do both. But I think to a certain degree, like you can't get away from, like the stuff that you like and the stuff that influences you to want to like write music even if your output from those things is going into different places and you know how to write and work within those different realms that that stuff the, the stuff that influences you is still going to come out in both bands. yeah it is yeah definitely um, i it, it obviously like we we can only work with what music we we've got written for us by the guys yeah exactly exactly so it is it always works a little bit differently in some ways but i suppose what, what i'm just saying is that like bands go down us go down such specific subgenres these days that it's because it's everyone's listening to such a crazy amount of music that it's like it can't not be this weird amalgamation of stuff yeah yeah of course yeah yeah paul do you have like a devil mindset tech metal mindset or do you just kind of write and then at the end you go that works with that band and that works with the other band um i just take each song as they come really if i'm honest um 
I definitely have to like when I start working on the Risha stuff, I have to switch off, put a switch on because it is it's massively different um, in terms of kind of what you're faced with because whereas I'm the, the music music in Arusha has always been they never think about vocals when they're writing it at all there's absolutely no thought gone into it that says like this is going to be cool if you put a du like double length or something to make it work for a, a chorus or something it's just literally here's what we've done do something um, where, whereas Devil they, they really care about you know Johnny and Rick and the guys really care about how the vocals work with it because they know it's a really important part for our listener base. I suppose um, the difference is like Devil is kind of more naturalistic, isn't it? Like you, you kind of can sort of work your way through it. Was I'd imagine? Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I can't say for certain, but I'd imagine like Rusha is a bit more like you have to be more considered because you have to really pay attention to like all of the different movements and how it's it's going through, and you have to yeah. really consider what you're doing with it whereas with devil we can kind of uh just vibe off it a bit i guess i guess i've learned i've learned a lot from devil that i've brought into it over the years and, and that's genuinely the truth where like the maybe the last record i did with arusha i kind of stopped paying as much attention to every single hit on the drum and every single bass slap and all of these things and made it more about freed it up a bit more made it a bit more organic organic because i think and we you know we did a video about this um for, I think it's coming out tomorrow actually like um about musicality musicality versus technicality and and how you can be so obsessed with the technical side that maybe you make you make everything too robotic um and it's you can easily do that within tech metal you can forget you can get the fact that you can be organic over the top of a seven two five one beat <laughs> that's insane and um actually ignore the time signatures and just make it make it flow your own way do you know what something's interesting that i've just kind of come to sort of think about is like the old tech bands like when i don't know early 2000 like when you've got like early dillinger you've got early converge you've got like as the sun sets daughters those sorts of bands like they're really technical but they're not really thinking about it that hard whereas like tech music these days is really like super musical in terms of like music theory and stuff isn't it it's it is of, yeah I like mean, really yeah. different it's so odd it's very clinical as well i mean you think about how dated everything is and everyone's using like uh no one's really using um real amps anymore they're just going through kempers and everything so it's it's literally as clean and clinical as possible um which i, I there's definitely a space for oh absolutely that, that wasn't supposed to be like shitting on it no no not at all and, and, that, and it kind of and I, I was worried about that when i spoke about it in that interview yeah. because I didn't want to come across like I hated tech and I was disrespectful to that. But the real thing is you don't have to be that way. Sorry, um, you don't have to be that way you watch your eyes. Can't you? Yeah. Just before I let you guys go, because I've, I've just realised what time it is. <laughs> Sorry, um, time. How did you... <laughs> How, how do you like outfox yourselves creatively? Like obviously every band goes, you know, their newest records are best yet and you generally get better and that makes sense, right? But how do you like challenge yourselves creatively and, and push yourselves beyond where you were before? It's tough. You got to end on a hard one, right? It's a, it's yeah, a treat yeah, for everyone it's, that's it's made a, it this far. Um, I think honestly, personally, I know that the output at the end is something that I want to be as good as, if not better, but I just, I can't really think 
of it like that it's just got to be like a truthful snapshot of like what you're kind of vibing off at that time i think like i i I think in retrospect you can always look back on stuff and you because your opinions on stuff changes you can listen to like say vocals that you've done and gone hey i like that but i think if i did that this it would be better and i think that's that's just how you kind of evolve as just creatively i suppose and you just do what you you think is like the coolest and best thing you could do at that time but it's not necessarily in a like trying to 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 outdo yourself sort of way it's just like this is how i feel right now and i know in like a year two years i'll look back at this and go oh no i kind of wish i'd be like there'll be things that i i can look at and think can be better in certain ways but it's a subjective thing i guess isn't it yeah i i mean I've never really looked at it that way in terms of going, I would need to better this last record. I've always just gone, what's ahead of me? How can I do, how can I finish this track and make it as good as I possibly can? And you are just taking it that one step at a time, making sure that you you don't leave anything unfinished on a track and that you, you're just, you know, nothing's left out there. You're just happy, 100% happy with what you've done. Because at the end of the day, you could write the, the best album of all time and someone's going to come along and go yeah I like that last one better because I I had a better experience at the time I heard it um it's that subjectiveness yeah nostalgia versus like progression isn't it yeah it's an interesting one I wonder if time helps as well and the reason I ask and I realize they're not the same but I do one of these every week right and so from every interview I I learn from something but but i'm always in the back of my mind that i have to be careful about how repetitive i am because yeah. i'm telling stories it's the first time you guys have heard these stories it's the ten thousandth time you know someone else has heard yeah, these stories. Yeah, yeah. and so there's a kind of like a but i don't necessarily always have the time to like be like i'm going to consciously one up the last one or move on or yeah. go deeper push harder you know but i think probably the the interesting thing is if you do go back like a couple of years and look at the stuff that you you were sort of thinking and writing and you will see that it's completely different but you've just taken steps along the way to get there it's not like no one just changes their mind overnight on something or your opinions or your your kind of how you do something because you're just growing and evolving sort of dynamically and I think it's really interesting and especially with albums because you have big gaps between them you have just these big landmark mark things that you can look at and it, it, it changes everything. And I'd imagine with what you do, if you go back two years, it will feel like a different person's, person's writing it in a weird way. Oh, it does. I, I'm deeply ashamed of that person. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's completely natural. Like if, if I listen to Fragile Hope, I can't listen to it and not hate the vocals, but it doesn't mean anyone else hates it. It's just me because it's like, that's... I've changed. I'm, yeah, I, I agree. With any, I, look, I listen back at any old songs I've done and go could have done that better could have done that better and it's just it's just nature isn't it i mean i think it's good that you're feeling that because it means yeah. that you've changed or you've evolved in some way that means that you've got a different way of doing it now than oh you. yeah 100 percent, man i mean and, good or a bad thing i don't know but i think it's good that you well, it's, it's the same changed. as like you know some people will love that album more than anything else and um you know if we decided tomorrow that we were going to go ah oh, us changing how we do things and making things better um, inverted commas is to add more choruses to songs that's going to be someone's bad it, yeah. be it might be our what we want to do but it's I not going think, to be as i said i do think there's an, a thing if you were to listen back to a record that you did um 10 years ago and you go one there's nothing wrong with this and two 
we've just done the same thing for like 10 years. You, if you can't fault or find things that you want to develop, whether that be like consciously or not, or see things that you could have done better, you haven't evolved or got better at what you're doing at all. You've just stayed exactly the same. So, but I guess there's the, it's the, the weird thing about that is it's like, have you got better at it or have you just changed? Like, has your, your outlook changed? Like any, every aspect of your life could have changed in a way that, that completely makes your brain work in a different way. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. 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 And Neil Gaiman once said that um, stories aren't finished. They're just abandoned. And uh, meaning that, you know, yeah. you can work on something forever, but at some point you just have to go, that's that enough. Absolutely. Yeah, it's you've got to, and you've got to. Otherwise, it will grind you into the ground and destroy all relationships within the band. Yeah, and um, you'd just be making sidesteps. There's a point where it's like, are we making this better, or are we just changing it? And I think that's probably what it is. I think probably as you grow, you, you your opinions change. It doesn't necessarily mean that your opinions at the time, or your feelings, or your creativity is invalid when you did it. You've just changed because of just life I suppose and that's that's it's I can't even figure out how to finish this thought it's it's too complex <laughs> my tiny little brain and I was just thinking that's like a wonderfully poetic note to end it on <laughs> <laughs> so Sebastian where are you where are you based mate because obviously I, I know we're recording but obviously you're probably gonna edit this down yeah you... no I'm in, I'm in Edinburgh Oh, you actually, because oh, I heard you say you were in the UK earlier. I was like, hang on, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it's a real, I moved up here a year ago. Yeah, oh, well, cool, man. How are you liking it? Um, I've seen the inside of my flat. Um, yes. cool. So, <laughs> so the, the inside of my flat is is good, depending on what my, you know, the person underneath me cooks. Um, uh, no. as, as with Edinburgh's good old tenement buildings. But yeah, no, it's cool, man. I, I, I love it here. I've It, it actually felt kind of special being here um in march last year walking around the city like not really seeing anyone you know yeah. it's i always get sort of spiritual about this but there's just something nice about being like an ancient place and just feeling it without the hustle and bustle you know i, mm -hmm. I find the city deeply inspiring and it will never be like that ever again so it's kind of this year is like a weird way to experience the world because we never experience like experience the sort of the quietness that we have now Weird. although it was the coldest i've ever been the day that i got oh here. i did God, just man. about get back on the plane and go the fuck home yeah this, <laughs> so. uh, it's all stone isn't it so it's just gonna be it's just gonna be damp cold jeez yeah um i mean it's always cold and rainy up there though isn't it oh man yeah Dude, so the weather has been so i feel like um and i shouldn't say this while we're recording because people will realize that we've been lying to them but someone like someone said to me once that if edinburgh was five degrees warmer it would be as popular as london and I kind of think Scots just tell people the weather's shit to keep them away. Because the weather's been so fucking good lately. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, I mean, good on you. Like, to, to be, I, would, I would not want to live in London. Fuck that. Nah. nah fuck that. Not for me. Um, yeah, because it's, 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 when you said about Ben Marwood, it's like, there's no way in hell. How, how have you heard of Ben? Um, because he, I didn't know he was like quite international or anything. Because he's, he's, for me, he's just like little Ben that used to sit at the front desk at impact studios in reading and and like take our money at the end and just be a really <laughs> lovely guy with his bowl like bowl cut curtain these sort of haircut yeah um it's just he's just a really really pleasant man and um but i didn't think he was bigger than he is so frank turner has a song called pass it along where he 
um, name drops a few people that um, he came up with or that he toured with and stuff. It's mm. from a few years ago, but that's how I got into Ben Marwood. So I've been listening to his music for, I don't know, six, seven years or something. Oh, cool, um, but he, I finally got to have him on the podcast a few months ago and it was a fucking trip. He's like, a lovely guy. And I, no, um, he's like the, the nicest guy in the world. Very, very, very smart as well. So it's, I imagine it was very very good compared to what we've just spouted out <laughs> uh, we we talked about everything man we talked about like horror films and and all kinds of shit it was just this a wide ranging like when you've got someone like that and you yeah. can and you know that they're like they can talk about anything it's hard not to you know yeah well if you if you haven't met him and if you do get the chance like he's just a very really nice guy in real life as well and um you know i feel very yeah i'm really glad that he's doing well as such with his music because you know I, I used to work in surf, the surf shops in Reading and a lot of my friends in there knew him as good friends and I think one of them was in a band with him as well at some point and just good people man like it's good to see good people doing good yes 100% guys this has been awesome thank you so much for coming and hanging out yeah, no, thanks man I appreciate it sorry we've rambled on for like and a long time <laughs> no if this that that is the whole point like that is you know this whole thing is just like let's get deep and let's talk about stuff and you know i've i've like cut my teeth doing those interviews where you had 20 minutes with the band and that was it and you scribbled down notes and i was like if i'm because i took some time off to be the biggest punk sellout ever and get a corporate job and make some fucking money Got to do um, it, man. and Got i was that. like if i'm coming back to this i want to do it on like my terms you know and i want it to be long form and casual and all that stuff so it's I'm actually been perfect way forward like i i get bored of like just this as a as just a consumer like i just i just find like the really super i mean this is doesn't sound good for my job this but like the super edited um like really considered like getting it down to a specific time and and having saying everything being like sound bites like that's one thing I really love about podcasts is just how conversational and real it is and meandering it is. It's so much more like of a, so now it's just refreshing to hear people talking in a way that's way more real and yeah, meandering. It's more, it's just a nice little journey, isn't it? Yeah. It's like yeah. sitting a table away from a couple of interesting people at the pub. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I mean, and that's kind of what, I mean, we've done a lot of different types of interviews during this so far. This is like, I know we've maybe, I think we've got 15 this week and about the same next week um, and the same last week. It's been quite a big press thing for us. We've never done it. I've never done anything like this before. Um, and you do get a mixture. We, we've had some very strange questions from some people, like I said at, at the start. Um, but then we've also, we've had some really lovely discussions like this. It's been, it's exactly what kind of you want press to be like. Like the most fun, like the standard, like just, you know, promo questions and stuff. They're cool. And it's really nice that, like, I don't know, it's just great to be able to, like, talk about that stuff. But this just feels like having, this is just having a conversation with mates, isn't it? That's, it's just nice. Make sure you tell John that, because I think he's getting sick of me texting him, being like, hey, they had fun. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. That, honestly, I'll, I'll give him a little lowdown. It's, 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 do you know what? It's been interesting, because all of the Australian ones we've done so far have actually been really fun um that one yeah one of the ones we did last last week or whatever was a bit strange because it was like the guy had literally was just climbing out of bed whilst he was turning on the computer but um <laughs> but otherwise like 
it's just it's a different level i mean i think it's maybe like a, an australian like the personality type of thing it does make it a lot easier i think we're hungrier for it too yeah i think i think so i think and you just it's just more comfortable as well mm. which is like um if some we had a, we've had a couple where it's been really just very stale and um whereas like the aussie ones were kids some of the us ones have been a little bit funny the um, thing about america is that america is like it's you've got this like super broad church of like personality types so you've got like really out there in your face like outside sort of people and then you've got really sort of quiet internal people and then i mean that's true of everywhere but um yeah it was it, america is interesting like, we've spoken to some really awesome people that's funny you say that because my bigger the biggest criticism that i got that i get from this is that i'm not high energy enough and i'm like Doesn't i mean i'm just be. not that person you know I mean, need to uh, be. the middle ground definitely like it's it having the personal like the, the more personal touch of of the people who can talk to you a bit more like casually that maybe some of those more high high octane people have but then when it's just like really like this, the sterility of just like they've got their question sheet and must not deviate from the question sheet mm. is like like when when you're talking about stuff like say in this one we were doing like getting a question off the back of what you've just been talking about which has gone down some rabbit hole which no one could have predicted that we were going to start talking about those are fun conversations but when you go down one of those sort of rabbit holes and then they just steer you back to so when's the single out? It's like, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, and we've had plenty of those. Um, there was there was actually one that we did earlier in the week where we answered a question and then we went down a route and uh, and basically said a bit more about something else, and then he asked us a question which would have was basically about just what we just said, and mm-hmm. we could uh, could answer it without it actually just saying exactly the same thing. And I was like, okay, that doesn't show like you you're really doing this in a in a you're too structured it's Maybe not dynamic is it no not at all um Sorry, this isn't supposed to be like a bitch fest at all no it's not no, no, no. No. i've i've been that like i've been that guy um i interviewed carnifex years ago and he was this i can't i can never remember his fucking name and i feel like an asshole but the singer was saying that when he was 15 he used to work in a morgue um and i was like oh okay that's really cool and then i moved on to the next prescriptor question that i had right and it seems obvious now that you would be like what's it like working in a morgue because you guys are like a proper you know dark band but I, I just missed it and my editor at the time just like ripped the shit out of me and he's like how did you like how did you miss that what were you thinking and then and then for me it kind of clicked over right and I was like oh it should be more engaged and I think it's not that you don't want to be but um, yeah. like I was saying before the there is no barrier for entry for music journalism most people don't know how to do it and then the first thing you know then they're getting thrust talking to a band that maybe they like or they don't know and they're like fuck where do I what do I do with this and and because you learn from the people around you you know so like you grow up reading NME and they all ask the same fucking questions every fucking interview (laughs) and so you go oh if that's what NME does then that's what I'll do you know yeah and also I think there's an element of like the better you get at something you get a confidence that you can kind of wing it a little bit more whereas like when you're kind of earlier on in like uh in whatever it is that you're doing you kind of feel like you need to be more prepared you need to be more um doing it by numbers whereas 
like I know in my job I'm much happier just to be like go back and tell people nah not this not this not this or yeah this and just be more kind of decisive and do stuff more off the cuff and not worry about it as much so I think definitely like as you get better at anything you, you'd be much more comfortable with just going at it 100 these have been some great life lessons <laughs> i have loved this you guys have a good night thanks again it's been it's cheers been a man take care of yourself i love this thanks so much for your time yeah Dude, cheers it's my fucking pleasure see you guys see you, pal. take care so there you have it, my conversation with Ed and Paul from Devil Sold His Soul. Their new album came out on Friday, which, I mean, it's just such a fucking good album. And what a bumper episode, pushing up an hour and a half there. If you stuck around to the end, thank you so much. We go so deep with that conversation, and the guys are just amazing to talk to. And what I love about that interview, you know, perhaps more than others, is just the sense that you get from the guys about who they are what they do and why they're doing the shit that they do and i think that's what is so cool about these long form style interviews um you know as i say in this interview and and in others as well i came from that background of doing 20 minutes on the phone with guys doing back to back so being able to dig deep being able to sort of have that feeling of sitting next to two really interesting people at the pub and just listening to them talk is something that's truly amazing. So I'm going to throw you their new track now. Like I say, you can check out the entire album everywhere you listen to music. Uh, but this is called Burdened. It's Devil Sold His Soul. It's from their latest release, Loss. I'm going to be back next week with an awesome band called Block Out The Sun. They are locals and we've got some really cool shit coming up for you guys over the next few weeks as well. Those interviews are just coming in. This year, I feel like it's going to be such a great year for music. Last year, last year was good, but I felt like a lot of bands kind of took the year off with the pandemic. You know, they were thinking, we can't really tour, so let's not release stuff, let's just write it out. But I think as it looks like this thing is maybe coming to an end or maybe slowly winding up and people are realizing that they can't just sit around and wait for it to end new music is coming out we've got some really cool stuff lined up so i'm super excited to bring all of that to you this is devil soda soul burdened more than punk podcast i'll see you again next week